Hello everyone, Dr. Stephen Platt here, the host of the Cinema Catch-Up Club, with a little message before we jump into today's episode. This episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club was recorded back in July of 2023. Uh, We were intending to release this episode in July, but between uh, us meeting and recording this review of School of Rock and the original intended release date, the SAG after-strikes were uh, begun, and so as such we held off on releasing the episode until the strikes were completed, and now that we are back to releasing our reviews, we thought we'd start with this one that's been in the holding pen, just raring to go. So, uh, some of the things that we talk about in this episode may or may not be the most up-to-date information. Um, I think it's mostly pretty good. You'll just have to listen to find out. But uh, please enjoy, it's a it's a really good one, and we look forward to bringing you our regularly scheduled programmes going forward. Uh, enjoy the show! everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it is our long-awaited special visit to School of Rock, the film that you technically picked for the school month. It was almost two months ago, uh, but we said it was for a good reason. And it is. Uh, and, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, as always, this is about uh, watching films that you have and haven't seen before. And our guest who has not Scene, School of Rock. Welcome back to the program, Simon Haynes. Hello. Oh, I guess standing ovation. <laughs> How are you, Simon? <laughs> That's an interesting question, but I'm okay. You're okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, look, you know, the years, the years chugging along, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting through it. Yeah. School of Rock. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's you... been on my watch list for mm. a while. Mm-hmm. I, th- I might own the DVD. Mm. I just never got around to it. Right. I... I'm a tenacious D fan. Like uh, Jack Blacker can kind of take a leave for the most part, but I'm a D fan. So mm. it's like, I, I don't know why I've never seen this. I am also a D fan. I, I just yeah. wanted to. Yeah. I and she's very tenacious about it. <laughs> also am in a D territory. I, I think everyone, whether they want to admit it or not, likes a little bit of D now and then. Um, but yes. Uh, so what, what are you expecting from this film? Oh, I'm expecting a school. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting rock. Okay, good so far. Two for uh, two. I think it's just got to be one of those things where it's like, you know, that, you know, the teeth. Okay, look, for using it as a trope, like dead poet society kind of shit, where it's like the t- teacher basically, you know, comes in and like, you know, manages to like teach some unruly kids something about fighting themselves or some crap like that. <laughs> it's, it's, Jack Black's so going to be funny. It's not like he's a dramatic actor. Mm. Well, so. well, yeah. I mean, what was that? He was Bernie. in. And I was thinking there was that rom com that was around this the time holiday. period. The holiday. Shallow yeah, Hal. Yeah, yes, Shallow <laughs> Hal. Serious dramatic role. Uh, no, it was the holiday. I remember him being quite good in that. I, I wouldn't say it's yeah. a fully serious dramatic role, but it was a pretty straight role and yeah. he was he was good in that um well we do have someone who has seen the film uh welcome back to the program tegan mulvaney hello very happy to be here thank you very much yes uh tegan how's how are things in the world for you fine fine excellent oh I'm, I'm sensing a trend here just, just gonna move on <laughs> move on Stephen. stop asking how people are no it's a great day everyone here's lovely yes i had a cup of tea yeah it's a good day excellent school of rock yeah um you have seen this film yeah, i have in a vague non-spoilery sort of way uh, what is School of Rock about? Um, I like the idea of it being compared to like Dead Poet Society because it's almost like the opposite. It's like, oh. but, but with the same outcome. So I, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. This idea. Yeah. Um, so like a live accountants association? Sure. <laughs> yeah. An accountant being the opposite of a poet. I, I dig that. I think so. I think that's right. <laughs> Yeah, School of Mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> That's great. That was the straight-to-video sequel. Yeah, yeah was, they didn't even do ma- DVD. It was made by the Asylum. Yeah, they put it on VHS. And the prequel was Life of Pi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks very Jack much for this podcast over. <laughs> Jack Black and a Tiger. Oh, hell yeah. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's um, delicious it's again. It's a great film, and I have a 15-year-old, so this was that means I've seen it a lot as well because this is always the the compromise for f- like family movie nights or mm. school fundraisers we seem always seem to be school of rock mm. um I think because of just the release date with 
with kids my daughter's age mm. just ties in really nicely with that. That's fun. And Joan Cusack, mm. Mm. who I I didn't love. know about Joan Cusack and oh dear God, yes, I've had a crush on her, her for so years. I love her so much. And she's, she's, she's killer awesome. in this film. Yeah. Wonderful. Did you say sexy? Uh, she's excellent. Oh, excellent. And sexy. And yeah. 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 Sexcellent. She's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And it's very uh, universal, isn't it, the film? I, I totally think so. Yeah. Yeah. Who's that? You haven't introduced that voice. Well, yeah, unusually, there is a, a fourth voice on the program. Yes, it's the podcast ghost. No, uh, uh, we're very, very uh, honoured to have back on the program for the first time in three years. Yeah. It is Mr. Brent Hill. Thank you. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Slow clap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brent, Brent dare, dare I ask, how are you today? <laughs> Terrible. Oh, Ter- no. I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. I'm well. I'm fine. Mm. I'm all things. I'm, you know, the sun is out. I've been for a walk with the dog. It's, it's, that's enough for me. Wonderful. Today. Now, uh, so no podcast. <laughs> good night. Um, obviously, it's, it's unusual for us to have a, a third guest on the program. Um, so you must qualify somehow. What's your relationship with School of Rock? I found him in the boot yeah. of my car. I just, <laughs> I just rocked up. No, rock! They won't let me leave. Uh, my relationship with School of Rock is quite prolonged and very um, connected. Um, so uh, I performed as Dewey Finn for the musical Andrew Lloyd Webber's School of Rock for about 18 months in Australia. Awesome. Mm. I had no idea. No one mentioned this. So there this was, is and yes, in China. Yes, internationally. Oh, wow. There we go. Like a long time. So it's, I haven't seen the film for a while. Mm. Probably not since we finished really. Yeah. Um, you know, because we finished that project and we did it for, a, it's a long time to do a show and I just kind of, you, I mean, we, there was something that happened globally. I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with well, anything the last five It was like 10 years ago. Was I it, don't know. Was it dubstep? Was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Everyone was, went off rock. <laughs> it's the rise of dubstep. Um, School of Skrillex. <laughs> the sequel we knew. <laughs> and um, yeah, so look, I, it's um, it's coming back. Um, I'm very uh, excited to sort of revisit this story of this. Mm. Where I remember when, as we did it, um, the way we talked about it was it's like uh, Sound of Music, <laughs> um, Def Leppard. Like. Mm. It, it, ah. Yeah, like that's oh, the vibe. More yeah. or less Nazis. I just just added no, <laughs> less. less. Cuz last time I was on this podcast it was the greatest cave. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, but in, in fairness, yeah, but now I'm just imagining Jack Black's The Great Escape and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that that works that well. Well, in at least in the musical there I mean and in the movie there is the sort of an escape scene where they <laughs> sneak out from Principal Mullins. Mm. So it is, there is a great escape sequence at Jack least. Jack Black digging a tunnel trying to to keep yeah. the dirt out from his trousers. Yes. And then he gets to the end of the pipe and he <laughs> puts his hands up in the rain. Uh, I think we're then getting our movies mixed up there. <laughs> Although Shawshank Redemption, the musical, could be interesting. And then Nicolas hey. Cage flies in in a giant plane. <laughs> yes. John Malkovich is there yeah. welcoming everyone. As long as it's not Fortress. <laughs> Oh dear. So, in short, though, uh, been a while since since yeah. you've seen this one. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I have a lot. Look, I have a lot to say about mm-hmm. it, and to, for us to discuss about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to watch it. Okay. Again. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch School of Rock? No. Yeah. School of Rock. <laughs> okay, I think you're outlawed. Yeah. You're, you're outlawed there, uh, uh, Tegan. Oh. Two to one, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, so, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and join me in the prayer. God of Rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass. We are your humble servants. Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high-voltage rock. In your name we pray, amen. As we watch School of Rock. Get your devil horns ready. Welcome back, everybody. We've just finished watching School of Rock. And by we, I, of course, mean my special guests, Simon Haynes. Hello. Tegan Mulvaney. Rock on! And Brent Hill. Zero! So, uh, Simon, it was your first time watching School of Rock. <laughs> it was. What did you think? I love the hell-loving crap out of that. Oh, lovely. That was brilliant. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it has some issues that haven't aged well, but it's a little bit tropey. Mm. But, oh my God, that was good. That was really fun. Excellent, yeah. yeah. It, I, I, I was trying to think when I last 
watched School of Rock, the film, because I've seen the, the musical version um, or in, in New York, and that was about six years ago. I don't think I've seen this film since maybe about like 2006, 2007. I think it's been quite a while since I've seen it. And it was just, it was just really nice to be like, oh, that's right. This is just fun from woe to go. Like, yeah. the, the, there's... The thing I really appreciated about it, and I don't know Tegan and, and Brent uh, coming back to it, is there's no filler. There's nothing in it that feels like it's it's wasted. Oh. Like everything feels like it serves a purpose for the story. The editing is really good. Mm. I think that's fun. Where they, it's definitely tropey, but they mm. lean hard into the tropes. They're like yeah. like those. There's beautiful Jack Plack just <laughs> selling exposition and selling morality in mm. those scenes. Yeah, I'm fat and it's cool. Like. I quite like that. Yeah. Because it's, it's, there's no apology for it's it. It's so weirdly wholesome, and yet his whole character arc is just really deeply problematic when yeah. you think about it. Mm. Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, like, what? Watching it back and, and being reminded of, like, Patty, played by Sarah Silverman, like, she's not wrong. No. no. She's not. <laughs> Wrong, and yeah, we're like instantly we're thrown into like, oh, she's like, oh, she's uh, the villain okay. pushing it back. So it's like, no, 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 she's she's ethically in the right. Yeah, yeah. she is. She is framed as the antagonist to Jack Black, and that's that's the other thing in the revelation. If anyone else apart from Jack Black had played this, I don't think it would have worked because Jack Black is the world's oldest child, or, or Brent Hill, <laughs> or Brent Hill. I don't know. About <laughs> but no, Jack Black is literally like the world's oldest child, and yeah. I think. Because he kind of imbues that kind of childlike, wide-eyed innocence and, like, you can see that he's not doing this to be malicious or anything like that. Mm. If you had an actor that couldn't imbue that, this film, it could probably work, but it wouldn't be this wholesome thing. Mm. And so, like, when he interacts with the kids, it's brilliant. Yeah. I I must admit, there were were a a few times watching this now, and it it might be because of... 15 plus years since I last seen it of going yeah he's he's just taking all those kids out of school in in a van yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's that's imagery that in a, another film would be would would not work or like would would mean something very different the but, moments where I wasn't smiling and laughing I was like going ooh yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, it's but it's interesting though because f- for me watching this I was reminded a lot of um, something like Ferris Bueller's Day Off where hmm. it's it's there is a reality there is a reality reading you can go to it where yeah Sarah Silverman's character Paddy is is in the right you know like yeah Jack Black is Dewey like this guy is quite problematic Mm. but because it is a film that is really about escapism through Mm. this idea of like youth rebellion and rock it it works because you're not meant to view it as a piece of reality like that there would have been somebody checking out his lessons from day one that's the thing (laughs) like and you you're allowed to go to leave that sort of brain at the door almost but not in the this film is dumb and mindless kind of way but just in it it's so fun it's it's like it's it's just the comedy rock version of kindergarten cop you know know, like oh my god it really is why would a school let a police detective be a te- you know it's the same premise mm. yeah it is a, isn't a it pretend <laughs> a pretend person in that role but i i, I totally get what you're saying yeah. How, work you know we've all worked with mm. kids or mm. worked yes. on kids shows mm. and every time i had to consciously go don't even think about it because there was all through that time i'm so like uh i guess wired to go don't hug the kid because then you'll mm, have to yeah. sign uh, an incident <laughs> report. Like, my head was doing that. And I had yeah, to go, just, yeah. you, just stop. It, it's so wired into us to be like that, mm. that it was quite nice to then consciously leave that at the door to mm. then go, it's just cool. It's, it's yeah. gorgeous kids engaging through music with an absolute dickhead, but <laughs> who has a heart of gold. Heart of gold. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'll tell you the moment where I got on board with the movie, when... It stopped becoming about Dewey's whole band shtick and it became about the band. Yeah. Where it's like, no, we're playing your song. We're doing your thing. You write the lyric. When that started happening, I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the movie started to turn to me and I was like, okay, I can really enjoy this because yeah. it's not about this guy's ego anymore. And, and it's interesting. Um, and, and Brent, I'll pull on your expertise here. Having, having played Dewey, yeah. um, 
to to an award-winning level. Yes. Um, congratulations. Do you consent to him pulling on your expertise? <laughs> I do. Yes. yes. We can high five, but don't touch. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, high five. What, what I'd like to, uh, I suppose, ask is, um, in terms of like Dewey, the the character in this film. Uh, when, when we were watching it, you were saying that one of the key things with the show was get to the classroom as soon as possible. Get, yeah. get, like, mm. One of the key things with the show is, yes, you need to set up who Dewey is and what his situation is, but the, the key focus of the musical was we need to get to the actual school of rock itself as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose in terms of like when it comes to playing a character like Dewey, who is essentially, for all intents and purposes, like not a person that you want in this situation in real life, and is like a, a protagonist that maybe wouldn't work in another style of film. Mm. How, how 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 did that work in terms of that approach, I suppose, of turning him from someone who was very self-centered and very very much as like the world's oldest child in a sense yeah. to becoming somebody who actually then cared for these young people and was actually working as a mentor for them. We talked a lot about this in rehearsals. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was about, you know, Dewey really does need to have a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a big kid. He's the, uh, in, when we were touring in China, they, they I forget the f- term for it, but the, the, essentially the translation was king of the children. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Jack Black to Tui, isn't he? Right. But uh, you watching the film, you go, yes, there there's so much heart here and um it's you know it's for, for me it's like a, a large what kept getting reflected back in watching the film of going it's this thing of expectation versus appreciation and and being aware of when we start that story with dewey yes there is an ego and we should identify mm. that the ego gets in his way you know it's the thing that's sort of preventing him from being able to be where he is with the band that he's with mm. and instead it's like no i'm this rock god i'm an amazing and i'm, I'm mm. that's what I'm, I'm the top of the you know and the whole in the musical uh, which expounds upon that whole section with um theo and spider and no vacancy is about them uh about him you know, having this view of himself, this expectation of himself, mm. uh, egoically of like, ah, man, I'm at the top. When I'm at the top of Mount Rock, all my problems will be solved. Mm. All my problems will be over. And, um, you know, if we all take a step back from that, we've very often, um, it's an interesting thing that I've, I've, I've sort of learned, like getting that role, for instance, or getting other roles in other shows. When you're younger, I, I'm, I certainly had this idea where it's like, if I get that role, mm. it will solve all my problems. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. Mm. It's just a new set of problems, you know, a new set of challenges. Um, and so Dewey's whole thing about, you know, his ego getting in the way and suddenly dropping the expectation of being this amazing rock god and needing to, to do this. And when he, as you, as you say, Simon, uh, when he starts seeing what the kids actually have mm. and starts appreciating that and then blooming that out, that's yeah. where we as an audience go, oh, we love this. Mm. We, can, we can get attached to this and we we um go on his journey so so that was i mean that was yeah i mean Mm. huge in the musical and also in the film of of watching that that journey at least what was reflecting back to me about expectation Mm. versus appreciation i don't know if you get a lot of protagonists with that same ego you know setup that's ego mania Mm. have such an appreciation of other people's talent it's usually that's the big lesson they have to learn in the movie or the show is they have to learn not to be a cock to (laughs) yeah to win the day and it might be a it's a morality tale but he right from the start appreciates the talents that he sees Mm. there isn't an element of his own gain in there but it's always like even watching him in the staff room work on, okay, we need to assign all these roles now. Like we need to mm, give mm. people things to do. That was very cool. It was, it was, it made it the payoff of him finding comfort in another form of rock and roll in the teaching of it. Yeah. Really believable mm. and palatable, I reckon. And also getting all the kids involved. Cause usually these kind of setup in these kind of shows, it's always like, you know, okay, Let's take an example of this movie. You've got a uh, lead guitarist, bassist, drummer, keyboard, and singers. Hmm. So five roles, there'd be five kids. That's your, that's your cast. Hmm. You have the extras. Every single one of these kids were given a role, giving some amount of screen time, giving some kind of character. Hmm. So you 
you get to learn and date to five with a lot, of, a lot of the kids. Some of the kids, of course, you know, not necessarily get as much screen time and all that. But like even um, uh, the one kid who like wants to be the fashion designer is like mm. he, he's got a massive. He's got a maximum <laughs> sass. And it's just yeah. like you know, just that one little kind of detail. It's just like oh my god, it just livens these kind of things up so well. Yeah, I, I really loved how much the security kids were, were used because they yeah. were a group that I'd sort of forgotten about. Because mm. obviously, you remember things like you know. You're the groupies, and then Summer yeah. finds out, and she's like, "They're sluts! I can't believe you <laughs> gave us that role." Like, but but the security I, I, were the ones I'd forgotten about, yeah. and they're very they, they're used very well. There's sort of there's a really nice sharing of of roles around the place where mm. there aren't that many kids that feel like they stand out, with the exception of the ones who are in those key roles. Like yeah. Summer obviously stands out. I mean, you've got Miranda Cosgrove That's in right. there, and she's amazing. No wonder, yes. no wonder Disney went, thank you. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, obviously, uh, you know, like the drummer is pretty key because he's the one that's really leaning to being a rebel. Yeah. Zach, as the guitarist, has to get guided through, yes. like expressing himself. And but but no one really felt like they stood out because and, and maybe that's partly because the film is so focused on Dewey for the first half. Mm-hmm. But then as you go further into the film, we see other characters take charge. We even see um, mm-hmm. Roz, the principal, really sort of come into her own as a character in the second half of the film. And it does become a lot more shared once Dewey starts to realise, oh no, it, this it's important that everyone gets their say, gets to participate. Mm everyone's in the band it's mm. not just yeah. the musicians the kids have agency in this movie whereas a lot of these type of movies or like kids movies the kids have zero agency right. mm. and no one's a jerk even the parents yeah. support and love their kids mm-hmm. even john cusack's character comes in and he's like i'm so mad but this is beautiful like yeah, yeah. like there is I don't know, they, they hold those two worlds well I think yeah. of the suspension of disbelief and mm. the joy but then also there is a bit of a consequence there. Well, expectations is a great way to put it because you go, oh yeah, in this typical role, uh, Joan Cusack would be the antagonistic principal yeah. and she's got a great character arc. Uh, there is tropiness, like, you know, the second act reveal of the betrayal that leads to the final thing. So there is tropiness because it's a Hollywood we're talking about. Mm. You can't have new and interesting things. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, but how they subvert those tropes and how they do it. And yeah, it's just... That was ridiculously good. I just... Mm. Wow. To be honest, the only character that feels like a villain, who is Patty, is just a responsible adult. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's not that bad. She's not evil. She's just a bit of an annoying... If Jack Black, or or Dewey, whichever, character or actor, if they were living in my front room and not paying rent and just doing that, I'd I'd probably be on Patty's side. (laughs) Like, after after a while. I'd be like... Hey, um, maybe get out. And Dewey like potentially ruins Ned's life. Yeah, like, yeah. potentially. That's, oh, that's fraud, it. right? Like, yes, <laughs> that was quite illegal. What he did. Yeah, and then and then Ned's like, oh, but I'm gonna go see the concert because rock is cool. Hell, like, yeah. yeah, it's. But again, it's that thing of of it's all done for entertainment's sake. Like all the parents being like, yeah, we're all on board with this. By the end, it's yeah. it it's fun. It's feel good. I think it's. Yeah, it, it's just executed really well. Um, obviously, um, Jack Black is is very much the the draw card for this film, um, and it, he's so good. He is so good, so and he good. shares it's, the space it's, with it's people such a with Jack him. Black film, yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is also you think back to twenty years previously, Jack Black is not a mm. big star. Oh. Um, like he's obviously he's well known for for stuff he was doing with Tenacious D, and he had been in you know some films and. Mm. I can't remember if this is before or after Shallow Hell, but it's it's around that time period. I think it was just it's... before. I want to say, yeah. I think Shallow Hell was maybe like two thousand four. But you know, he's he's you know he's he's not a traditional um, leading uh, actor for like this sort of yeah. thing. It, it, with the Kindergarten Cop comparison, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, that's a massive name that you've got yeah. in there. Um, but there's absolutely no doubt he's 100%. No, this is after. Oh, it's one a, is Shallow Hell. I uh, thought so. Oh, there wow. we go. Yeah. 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 So, oh. but even so, you know, he's not the traditional big name. Like at this time period, you'd probably be going with somebody like a, an Adam Sandler or a David Spade for mm. this sort of script. Oh God. Um, but this was written for, for him, him, right? Mm-hmm. By yeah. Mike yeah. White. They had him in mind from the beginning. Uh-huh. But it's just it's just unusual. This is a Jim Carrey esque. Yeah. Would be the similar if this was. 94, 95. Yeah, I that's think what I would Jim get. Carrey but it, it wouldn't have, have uh, the same endear, endearing that's the qualities. Thing, like, Jim Carrey has the goof and all the rubbing their face, but he doesn't have the. 
I said, Jim Carrey has that cartoony. He's the he's Bugs Bunny. He's Bugs Bunny in real life. I don't. He can't share uh, the space yeah, with someone else. He's also I would say that he's gotten better at it uh, yeah. over mm. time. Yeah, you know. But like he would. I think from, he would probably say he he was like that yes. back in the day. He's yeah. he has pretty yes, open about yeah. how much of a dick he was. We're talking about sort of the mask, uh, and not the movie, the mask, but like the yes. concept of yeah. masking yeah. and yeah. putting stuff on, putting a mm. self on. And uh, I mean, certainly with, um, what was the the Man in the Moon, that film? Yeah. Did? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. I, Kaufman. I watched that documentary. Did you watch the documentary? It's yeah. awful. It made me not like Jim Carrey. Mm. I love him, but he was vile when yeah. that was being filmed and had justified it to himself by saying it was method. But everyone oh. who'd worked with Andy Kaufman and knew Andy Kaufman were like, he wasn't like that. He's yeah. not. He's an asshole. Yeah. So that was really interesting to, yeah, to hear himself reflect on that stuff. Biopics are, yeah. are problematic at best yeah. when it comes yeah. to the portrayals of real life people. And so it's, maybe it's, the director is yeah. a big part of yeah. this film being successful too, because it, it is very tropey. Mm. But it's we're comfortable with that. But I think they just go into them it's got so much heart you just kind of just you gloss over those things oh yeah yeah that's a bit tropey but you know that's what my point was going to be it's like i don't think carrie could have pulled this off because again i think Mm -hmm. having someone like jack black in this role who just he can't perform under like eight or nine no like he really can't he always performs Mm -hmm. at like 10 yeah he can't do subtle which worked for this character yeah Mm -hmm. i I think it's i would say he he did mm -hmm. A fair amount of subtle work, though. Yeah, but, but it's still on a on a heightened vibration. Yeah, sure. that's what I say. Like I you can't really honest. do below like it's eight honest. or you know. He's, he's, yeah, there's an honesty. He's to always it. just he's always on. Right, in that case, mm. this is and I, I tell you, I mean, from how, what how, part of, how did how did you approach those kind of subtle scenes? Bro. Like, so it I'm was, just now curious. You brought it up. Yeah, it's it's it was it was difficult. Mm. I will say that it's very demanding because yeah. watching that and you go, well, Jack would have got like. You know, a whole day yeah. to film one of those scenes. Say, yeah. like the Legend of the Rent, right? Mm. <laughs> but in the stage production, this is I and mean, this is a very interesting point of taking existing films and making them into musicals. Yeah, is that there's no break. It's yeah. it's literally doing the entire story for two and a half hours, and you have to do Legend of the Rent at the level that the Jack story, Black, yeah. right? This yes, that yeah. it demands. So you probably at the end of the day just like oh fuck. It was very Sorry. tiring. It was very yeah. it was very demanding. Mm. Well, to the point where it was so demanding to the point where no Dewey ever in the world well <laughs> is contracted at least to do two shows in one day. Right. Oh, I can imagine that would be just killer. It was brutal. Didn't that yeah. come? Was that from Old Mate who did it in New York? Alex because, Brightman. Yeah, because he yes. buggered his voice. Oh, wow. Or I'm, he came close to it. I'm, I would say it would just be from exhaustion. Because it was around... The, I think Adina Menzel had the same issue with Wicked. Because mm. mm. her voice was um, irreparably damaged from that. Mm. But yeah, Alex Brightman had a... Th- there was something... like uh, Maybe he spoke out about it or changed the contract for mm. it. I saw him in Beetlejuice. He was very good. Yeah, well, see, that's another thing of like, I mean, people have been saying that to me like for the last year, where they're like, "Oh, you'd be great in Beetlejuice," and I'm like, "That's thank, that's very flattering, thank mm. you." However, if, <laughs> if if it's like another Alex Brightman role, which is like School of Rock, yeah, eh. if there's more people in Beetlejuice. It's not all up to you because. I don't think you were off the stage. No. Well, yes. The first um, downtime was around 20 minutes in wow. for mm. like a very brief mm-hmm. um, breath. And then yeah. when the kids sang, um, if only you would listen, which is sort of more of, we get more of the backstory of like the kids and their parents. Mm. Right. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Which is really, we see hints of it in the film, yeah. but it kind of blooms it out a bit more. Well, we only see really like laser focus on Zach and his uh, troubles with his yeah, kid, with his dad. It's exactly that moment. Yeah, yeah which yeah. blooms it out and they they're more like, you know, like Billy for instance, who is the sort of the more feminine kid is yeah. like challenged with his dad being more like masculine like, you know, you got to yeah. play football, Billy and all that stuff and that happens around about the 45 minute mark and that oh, song no. goes for exactly 2 minutes and 17 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that, Brent? Well, I know that because that was the point where I got to go to the side of the stage into a room, sit in front of a fan, peel off sweater vest and yeah. later on ice vest, sit in front skull coconut water and eat a banana and yeah. pray to God that I'd survive the next 45 minutes to the end yeah. of act 1. Yeah. So, yeah, look, you know, it, uh, I, I wanted to say this uh, uh, about this film is that um, I love the film. I just love the story. I love, you know, I love mm. e- every aspect of it. And even watching it 
just now, mm. like I think I had um, goosebumps about fifteen times. So oh. it's so good. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's like if you're going to take a film and make it into a musical, please. For the love of God, have a B plot. <laughs> For the love of God. Yeah. There's have, a B plot in this movie? Well, well there is you, a B plot. You mean a plot about bees? Yes, yes. <laughs> bees. Cardi B. Yeah, Cardi B. Maybe B movie, do it as a double B. Oh, perfect. <laughs> but but even, uh, there is a B plot in this film, but the, the, the challenge of that is that it still involves Dewey... Finn, yeah. right? So even yeah. you've got the, the B-plot of Miss Mullins and her like rediscovering her rock and even watching it again this time going, oh wait, maybe the B-plot is also Tamika mm. and Tamika's journey yeah. about like... That was good. It was so lovely, right? Yeah. Mm. But for the love of God, please, just yeah. more Patty Let and Ned Let me get scenes. off the stage for more than 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is, is, is Dewey the most physically demanding role that you've had to do? Do you know? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes. And this is, mm. and this is someone How's who... How's it going from that to Hamilton Wee? Perfect. You get <laughs> Perfect. Yes. No, as, as kicked that's yeah. why I took the role. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a Monty Python skit. Uh, I think it's in one of the CDs where it's like um, the an interviewer interviewing an actor, and all he's remarking, he's, they're asking him about his performances. All he's remarking is about how much dialogue he has and how why he prefers movies that have got more dialogue because he has more screen time. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, very yeah. esoteric. Yes, so, like, and the reverse in theatre. Just yeah. less, <laughs> less, 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 less is more. Less is more, less is yeah. more. Well, but this is mm. up the top. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, uh, to put into context, sort of the uh, a musical that I did before this, we did Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Great film, Frank Oz mm. film, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Great production. Mm. Great production. Yes. So, I, it, yeah. You saw the production? I did. and But they changed it the way that, remember you, because you did the, Yes. Well. Yes. So we we, we that was a theatre production that became sorry that movie that became a theatre but it became a movie mm. exactly yeah. right. But they, <laughs> they changed yeah for you you're, you were in it yeah <laughs> true <laughs> but we changed it to so that Seymour the actor playing Seymour also voiced Audrey two simultaneously on stage right oh. which is really interesting and it does mm. it's it like puts a lot of um, challenges and questions into like, what does this mean about Seymour's mental state? And, mm. like, you know, what is that, you know, challenge an audience with that scenario. Um, but prior to that, that that was very exhausting as well. It was very tiring, demanding, should I say. It was very demanding. Yeah. But then, and so when <laughs> doing School of Rock, I had, you know, talking to casting people who were auditioning it and auditioning all the kids. And they were like, it's fine. It's not going to be, it's nothing like, you know, Little Show of Horrors. It won't be as demanding, but, but, but. It was a lot, you know, yeah. we ended up needing, I ended up needing an ice vest just to stay cool. Yeah. And we had one, uh, one week in Melbourne in the first year of doing it where the aircon in the theater stopped. Oh. Oh. And so we had a week of 46, 47, 48, oh, 47, no. 48. And to, to my credit, I lasted that week, but then got to the Sunday and I remember being on top of the desk as we're like singing like, stick it to the man. And uh, like seeing spots and started, my vision started oh, to black no. out. I was like, this is, this is, it's a lot for, for one mm. actor. So I think doing it in the way that Richard Linklater and Jack Black did, um, mm. where they filmed it sequentially or uh, either way in doing one scene a day, that's yeah. the way to do something like that. Absolutely. Mm. And it's nice that you're able to get a nice cozy musical afterwards of, of <laughs> Hamilton. That was that was good that you were able to get a break there. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although, it, although George III is, you know, he, he's not on all the time. No. <laughs> it's a cushy 11 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very well. A cushy but vital and very funny 11 but, minutes. But the fascinating thing about mm. that is then um, being backstage and being around production and watching rehearsals and mm. seeing the demand that Hamilton itself, the show, mm. has on... The performers mm-hmm. and especially the ensemble the ensemble yeah. much like dewey finn mm. never leave the stage yeah. yeah so it's um it's yeah it's a lot yeah. you know everything has a cost and yeah yeah that is one cost absolutely mm. um one thing i will say that i love from this film that i don't remember last time was spider uh, <laughs> the, the, new, the new member of No Vacancy um, oh, with, his, so with his beautiful little snake hip his, so his, his chest tattoo so his flirting sex. sex yes yes oh my god you're so hot yeah that, that okay, scene are, are with warm, warm? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like just, just shout out so to him good. and the thing is is like everyone really plays their part perfectly yes. like you, you want someone who's in like a grungy band like that to just be like hey i'm basically just like 
eye candy how's it going and then you know to contrast with the parents who are all very buttoned up to contrast with yeah. the teachers who are all very typical teachers because oh. the, the only characters who sort of don't feel typical to their social role are the kids yeah and it's because you know they're discovering who they are they're discovering what they want to do you know it's important to see zach discover oh i shouldn't be let myself be bullied by my father for example mm-hmm. and i think it's really interesting how even though we've said Jack Black is like the ultimate child in this film, all the characters from the adult world, to an extent I'd include Jack Black in this, are very much in the stereotypes of the roles that they're in. Yeah. Um, and it's only the kids who have arguably the more fleshed out characters in that sense. And and to an extent, because of his association with them, Dewey goes through that as well. Mm. I'm only the only one who's looking at uh, Dewey when he dressed up as a teacher going, did they just look at Patrick Trout and went, that's the aesthetic? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> what I quite liked is um, when he it was... doesn't help that I'm literally looking at you dressed up as, as Patrick, Patrick Trout. Yeah, yeah that, that <laughs> definitely doesn't help. Um, I liked that his hair was swept one way when he was in disguise, but, yes! but the other way when he was himself. And it was such a subtle thing. But it really made me laugh. Like It was just really fun seeing him go, I'll do it this way. No one will know it's me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just little touches like that. It's... Don't you be talking about my bow tie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really lovely. Well, even like, when he first turns up, he's like, his shirt's, un- he's, like, he's got, got the, the button and everything. Like, but even like his shirt's, un- his shirt's untucked, he's a little yeah. bit more scrubby. And then a little bit later, he's got a bit more tucked, he's a bit more presentable. Mm-hmm. It's just those weird touches. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is a well-crafted film. Yeah, mm. it, yeah. There's clearly been a lot of care and love put into, and, and attention put into the production, and it's yeah. it shows because it's a really tight film. It it doesn't overstay its welcome either. Like no. we have this one concept, we can handle about 109 minutes of Jet Black going <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and that's that's all you need. Yeah. It, it 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 uses its time really well. Um, I I will say as well, I really really enjoyed the 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 finale as it were like that final mm. um performance of zach's number at the battle of that Bands. was amazing yeah That's me teary yeah There's something about that much talent in young people mm. that's yeah what was that like to be on stage around every humbling very humbling yeah, yeah. because well for, for context for people who may not know in the film and in the stage show all of the child actors are playing those instruments oh like it, it is God. their yes. musical mm. skill that you're seeing mm. that was one of the first things i noticed when we see them in the uh doing playing the classical music because i was noticing the keyboardist um lawrence, lawrence. yeah i noticed just they're going he's playing mm. he's actually playing that this is not dubbed he's performing that and it's like mm. then i'm paying extra attention to like oh yeah finger placements they're playing these instruments yeah. mm. and that's the kind of faking you can't do with a lot of that stuff mm. it's just the and kids it's like, come alive at the end as well like watching yes. them put that personality into the song like when tamika and um and dewey are doing the they're singing together the duet mm. and you just see her kind of mm. like bust out this attitude or zach playing the guitar and he yeah because he's a stiff actor he's not an actor he's a a musician musician. yeah but you put him behind that guitar and in that last scene yeah it's it's all payoff it's all beautiful because he his acting chops work for the character yeah the stiffness works for that character so then to the looseness is just yeah it made me a little bit emotional to give some Mm. props to their acting it's actually hard to be profession or proficient at something like a musical instrument and play badly, not even badly, but play stiffly or kind of blandly or anything like that. So that early sesh where they're like, yes, I am playing the guitar like a robot. That mm. is probably one of those things where they're just like, okay, got to try and do this. Mm. You know, and the biggest it's, it's tell so in that good. is um, the bass player when he's like, yeah. this is yeah. the bass, you turn it this way. And she's like, I got this. Just play this one note. It's very, very clear that you play bass. Yeah. Because you're so good and you look so comfortable with that. Yeah, you just kind of, she just picks it up and just goes, yep, I'm doing it. But as Tegan was asking, in terms of being on stage, Age, just right. w- with that talent yeah um how, how was that yeah humbling am- amazing yeah. phenomenal um you know i am not a savant by any regard and i think we're talking about uh, like musically um you know watching these kids these kids i mean we auditioned so many kids and on the first mm. production um when we started we had 36 children mm. um three casts of 12 right yeah. and i was they, wondering how that was going to work with uh rotating casts and stuff like that because of 
child, child labor laws. laws. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they sort of, we, you know, we, they were m- mitigated into three groups and I forget what we had, but like the, the group names were like ACDC, <laughs> Nirvana <laughs> and Sabbath or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like, speaking from my own experience I mean music how how it relates to me it's like I, as a kid and even as an adult now like I'm I don't have I found socializing or talking quite difficult especially mm. to begin with and so my parents very smartly put a piano in front of me and then that sort of I found a way to express myself through that mm. um, and I, that was yeah it was very humbling like seeing that with a lot of these children and in you know, and in the movie as well. So you really could relate to that experience of... Yeah, like, yeah. So were you like classically trained as well and then you just kind of discovered the rock? Yeah, well, I... I guess I did the devil fingers. <laughs> yeah, I trained in... Okay, so in primary school, I learned violin mm-hmm. for seven years. Wow. And I was terrible at it, <laughs> but I enjoyed an aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and so then going to high school, I switched over to drums... I switched over to trumpet first for a few yeah. for a little while, mm. but then you know my mum would find that like I just I always had this energy and I had yeah. to do something with it and so they they put drumsticks in my hands and then nice. from that, yeah like kind of kind of blooming out or more into rock you know that was kind of like uh, was it um con was it Connie the drummer Freddie 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 oh, sorry. Uh, sorry my name's the... oh yes yeah. yeah. no, uh, but very that's sad. what I liked about his yeah. journey as well was that thing of he's like the you know the kid in the stiff upper lip curl he's like the, he's a rebel even he's not really all that rebellious but like yeah as soon as that thing of like you do this thing and you like to hit and you want to hit things uh, <laughs> drummers it, it feels like 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 now and understanding of things like ADHD is like neurodiversity it's like now as a born progressive but it's like back then it's just like yeah we know how to handle Give this kid something to hit. That first scene was, with the symbols, where yeah. he's smashing the symbols, yeah. is he has the best comic timing. Yes, uh, that kid was uh, awesome. Kids, I, like, yeah. it's pure gold. Yeah, it, Maisie had the same sort of thing. My my kid. Mm. I was about to say my dumb kid because that's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> Your very her. smart kid. Uh, my very smart kid. Yeah. yeah, but she had the same. We started with piano, mm. and she because she's very musical, didn't like. Was yeah. like, eh, whatever. She's a good singer, but she was doing the same. Lots of drumming, lots of tapping. Gave her a drum kit mm. and she nailed it. And mm. she's done this. And now she can pick up any instrument and learn it. Oh, so nice. it's, an, it's annoying. Yeah, I'm yeah. very proud, yeah. but I'm very jealous. <laughs> um, but it's, it's wonderful to, I guess, let her do that organically. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not go, you have to do this structured thing and you have to do this. She's at a point where she's writing her own songs and creating things. Um, and I'm really happy with that. It's not a matter of, you know, nailing essays it's a, or nailing exams in those music mm-hmm. setups. It's just a ma- matter of enjoying the music. It's cool. I, I guess maybe that's why I got so teary watching the end mm. of it. Well, yeah, and also it's because the, the, the thing at the heart of what Dewey ends up successfully teaching to them is a love for the craft in this case the craft being rock music mm. and like the fact is is that you know the joke is oh look at all the theory boards that are there with like zeppelin and what that shoots off into and hendrix oh, and stuff and it's like that. no that there will be places that legitimately teach things like that like yeah. the, the history of rock music and that sort of theory it, it, it's humorous in this context because the way the film's been set up but the fact is is that's what Dewey is passionate about. That's what he cares about. And you never doubt that. You, you don't doubt he has a heart of gold. And you don't doubt that he really knows and understands and loves rock music. Only, and that's how they make that connection. The only thing I laughed at in that thing was the rock, the devil horns. On the end of the I stick. love that. But no. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm a trained... Uh, I've been a uh, tape now as a photographer. Mm. And so I'm dealing with a bunch of actors and stuff like that. So, but you'll get what I'm saying is part of the course, like our first year degree was history, but, but focus on photography. Mm. So it's, but it's not just like the history of photography. He's just talking about the history of art, uh, the history of art mm. and the, and, and the iconography and all the things behind it and how art was used to document originally. And like paintings was about documentation, docu- documentation. Mm. And then when photography came on, that's when, that's uh, moving towards the more artistic representation, surrealism, and how photography has evolved and so on. You, you, if you're passionate about a subject, 
you don't just go, I just listen to music. You go, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to listen to these musicians. I'm going to look at these different inspirations. I'm going to trace this back. You look at a genre like a rock and roll. Yeah, you're going to want to absorb Zeppelin. You want to absorb Sabbath. You want, and you might even go backwards to jazz and things mm-hmm. like you. I look at mm-hmm. uh, other other genres even classical music even this like uh, i think dave Grohl is one of those guys who just loves music so much he just mm. devours everything he can mm. Mm. and that's how you when you've got a passion on it you absorb mm. everything they do take us because the acting schools do that yeah mm. did you have that when you were nita uh, at wapa at wapa sorry uh with what is the history of stuff yeah uh yeah of course yeah i mean it's tricky because it's like uh, with acting it's more so like you with a, at least with a photograph or a painting, you mm. can, you can actually experience sort of yeah. what it is right in front of your eyes. Yeah. But I suppose with other traditional acting stuff, like Commedia dell'arte, for example, mm. a little trickier. It, mm. Possibly, but then you've got everything that happened around that time. So sure. I think like true. think like restoration theatre. Mm. Oh yes. You know, you've got the politics around that time as well, and it's you you can't understand and appreciate the craft mm. without understanding and appreciating the mm. politics of the time. Yes, that's yeah. very true. That's the sort of stuff I mm. like that yeah. that's what resonated yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, it's, it's not just about one particular thing, it's about yeah. the associations and the connections and like with acting. Mm. I've done a little bit of drama in university and a lot of that was like, you know, talking about learning out the Stanislavski method and stuff like yeah. that and about mm. drawing from emotion side. But it's, it's all much interconnected. Like it's, it's you, the, you get an interest and you just want to devour every yeah. moment mm. about it. And it's where creative arts complement yes. and un- need the uh, the analytical and yeah. the historical side. Yeah. They they have to kind of work Critique together. Critique helps helps art evolve. Yeah. Mm. And it's important that you have a teaching degree on top of it to, yes. to implement it. That that, <laughs> that, that is. A, I'm a teacher and I and don't do have a, a teaching film analysis degree. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Even as yeah. you were saying before, I, I, this is like a half-remembered anecdote. Yeah. Um, but there's something, the ab- kind. <laughs> there's something about smoke on the water yeah. by Deep Purple. I remember watching an interview about the creator of that. Baby the, Power Chords. Uh, yes, but the way that he wrote it is he heard some other classical music yes. from like 200 years earlier and he just reversed the chords yeah, right. and played it in reverse and that's how he got the yeah. thing. Mm. I'm like, that's, that's cool. Yes. Um, so it, it's in terms of knowing the art history or the history yeah. of music or yeah. drama yeah, yeah. and I, I think that the film great. does a really nice job of balancing like yeah rock and roll is fun but also mm. rock and roll is, is something that people take seriously yeah. Yeah. and that it should be something that you can enjoy doing and that mm. sometimes you know unstructured education well I say unstructured education non, non-traditional unstructured education um, can be beneficial I, I think one of the things the film maybe lacks is we didn't get a sense that these kids were that unhappy with what they were being taught previously. It, it felt like they were in like just a normal school setting yeah. and that what Dewey coming in and doing d- disrupted it and ended up being quite positive for them. Mm. But there wasn't that sense of, oh, I can't believe old leg-breaky teacher is going to be back teaching us boring school. Like It did feel like that was maybe missing a bit. Not that it ended up being super integral to this film. Some of the only really having pushback about the unstructuredness. Yeah, but she was kind of pegged as like the initially as like the you know this teacher's pet. It's like I yeah. want you know I want my grades and blah blah. blah. And I love how they positioned her role as so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, made sense making her the manager as well. Yeah. It was just it, it's just really well considered. It's yeah. really well. I mean, like the film was a big success. I think it cost thirty five million dollars to produce, and it made more than four times that. Overall, like it, it, it. yeah, it's such a pleasing Mm. family film. It's a film you go, yeah, we can go as a family to see that, and everyone's going to get something out of it, get a kick. Even with spiders tattoos. Even with spiders tattoos. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's the educational part of the. Well, yeah, the 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 way he stood, it's it's hard to read that his stomach says sex. You know, it's fine. You know. yeah, back in 03 it was a bit more fuzzy it wasn't yeah it was yeah. So, at yeah. least we know one of the kids was looking at Spider going hmm <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the adults I'm betting too hmm. uh, I was yeah. anyway. no that's fair that's fair I'm arachnophobic so it didn't, <laughs> didn't work um, not, not my thing but yeah. Yeah, I could appreciate the 
Would you guys like some trivia about School of Rock? Yes. yes. Excellent. Uh, this is all trivia from IMDb about School of Rock, uh, the film version. I don't have any trivia about what you were up to, but sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, feel free to throw it in if you okay. want. Yeah. Um, but yes, all of the trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. First piece of trivia: uh, Jack Black um, came up with all of the nicknames used for the kids in no. the school. <laughs> I believe that. Whole yeah. Thing. yeah. And um, you know, with the exception of Spaz, they're all okay. Yeah. Spazzy McGee. Yeah, Spazzy McGee. I mean, that I, was less of a controversial slur yeah, so, well, at that time. I, I found it's it's a thing that American American culture seems to be okay, or at that time, it even took them British, longer. Even British culture has yeah. that thing as well. Like I remember, like the eighties, was they have that, like you know, the punk would be named that kind. Of... Yeah, it does feel like because Spaz um, was an abbreviation for for spastic, which yeah. is obviously quite an offensive term for people with um, disabilities, particularly mental disabilities, and it just but it became such a part of like. The, the sort of American like language of like somebody is just being a bit silly and you would call them a spaz right. and it does feel like that took a lot longer to sort of be phased out of American films than it was films elsewhere yeah. mm. and I just always found that quite interesting um, it's a very small part of this film but yeah the, that's uh, it yeah. five out of five out of ten it's <laughs> but but I did I did really love the nicknames and yeah apparently that was all Jack Black going all right I'm not gonna remember these kids names so you Turkey oh, Sub let's go <laughs> Turkey Sub jeez that was all a bit like that's what I mean that the whole thing of if it wasn't for Jack Black and grabbing in and grabbing the the Turkey Sub and yeah. eating it it's like well that's just not I love that the sandwich already had a bite in it yeah he just bit where the bite yes! was it was yeah. beautiful um oh. As we said, all of the kids really play their instruments and the backup singers are real vocalists. Uh, Jack Black also played guitar in this movie. Um, He played all of his, um, or most of his other stuff, uh, but he didn't do the guitar solos. That's the only thing Mm. that he didn't do. I also (laughs) did half of the guitar solos. Right, yeah. In the beginning of the show with the no vacancy, Mm. uh, where he he does the stage dive and falls on his face, Mm. that was completely done by a guitarist in the pit, which was an amazing solo. Mm. And then for Teacher's Pet at the end of the show, uh, I did play that solo, um, probably not that amazingly, but I played it. And um, uh, yeah. And we have a guitar right here. (laughs) No, no. Prove it. (laughs) Prove it. Um, Will saying with with the kids doing that, you know, like, for instance, um, Jaden Tadashori is a young savant, essentially, but he's a Perth guitarist. He played Zach Mooningham. He was like, you know, two feet tall, tiny kid, Mm. like eight years old. And he's even now, like a few years later, he's like leading, headlining, you know, bands uh, around awesome. the globe he's sponsored mm. by I want like s- a proud father uh, yes <laughs> yes you are it's beautiful look I mean very you interestingly are, you are our Jack Black <laughs> I mean sort of echoing echoing the story of Dewey how he he learns sort of responsibility like mm. I yes I, he does yeah. I echoing out from a subconscious way of doing the show like had a similar experience where mm. I'm, I'm not a father but I'm, I, I remember I, I posted something about it where it's like if this is what if this is what being a parent is like, where you see children flourishing, and it's not just in skills, but as who they are, mm. it is so moving. Mm. Um, so, did you have different nicknames? <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. We just kept the nicknames that um, that Jack used. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, the idea for this movie uh, came when uh, the writer Mike White, who also plays Ned yes. in this film. Um, oh. He moved into an apartment that was next to Jack Black's apartment. Um, (laughs) White would often find Jack Black running naked through the halls or blasting music at full volume. And he went, I'm going to write a script about how annoying you are. (laughs) Yeah, that that feels real. Yeah. I was just like, that. yeah, the the, the two people called Black and White were next to (laughs) neighbors. It was meant to be. And we're good friends. But yeah. I thought there was a guy with grey in the little time that was in between. Yeah, no, nah, D- David Gray, the, the musician. He, he moved out pretty quickly. He wasn't happy. Um, the rock band Led Zeppelin are notoriously hesitant, to, or at least were uh, previously, oh, uh, to allow their music be licensed for commercial purposes. Knowing this, Richard Linkletter, the director of the film, uh, filmed a plea by Jack Black in front of a thousand screaming fans, imploring the band to let the production use Immigrant Song. Wow. Uh, this worked, and this plea is actually available in the Blu-ray edition. Oh, oh, oh I, I think it. I think a few of us just went. I'm going to get the Blu-ray of this now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, yes, oh, Rob Woods, right now. 
<laughs> Indeed. Maybe it's on YouTube. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do find it quite interesting that because obviously the immigrant song has been used quite a lot for films nowadays. Uh, yeah. you know, Thor Ragnarok was a really famous example. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, 20 years ago, Led Zeppelin were not as keen. And then I think maybe they saw how much money they were going to get. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But well, ABBA are the same. They did the same with Muriel's wedding, not like that. Just, mm. So they're... Well, it must just Priscilla be... as well, wasn't it, before yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I know with Muriel's wedding, they they had to go straight to ABBA and um, with the script and they had to read it. So there's, you know, it, it's good that they give people... Yeah that much license into you know whether it's valuable to their piece or not not just being used for yeah yeah for, for no right, reason yeah because yeah, it's because right it's perfectly used mm. in yes. this film mm. as well yeah. like as a victory mm. after yeah. she says yes to the thing like it's perfectly done mm. Mm. well i'm trying not to defend the mcu too much but i think even in like ragnarok you know it's just that moment of like yeah. epicness yeah. that really works uh, and you're talking about the hammer of the gods and thor yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah you don't give that to, to ant-man you no, can give it to thor uh, that uh, makes one, sense one quick anecdote i used to cosplay as uh, thor for charity and i once went to a christmas event and uh, the timing was perfect because i was like came out getting dressed and walking towards the kid the immigrant song played i was just like into <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> that kid was like oh my god this is so cool yeah. um in spain Jack Black was dubbed by the singer-actor Danny Martin. Martin had no dubbing experience, but was chosen because uh, in the time that the movie uh, came out, his rock band El Canto de Loco was a big hit in Spain. Uh, this dubbing is considered one of the worst dubbings ever made in Spain <laughs> on account of his choice. They basically just got in a guy from a band who was big at the time, yeah. you know, and he dubbed Jack Black and really screwed the pooch and apparently like, was not good amazing <laughs> my brain just went the only thing i could think but like if the, the reverse would be like you know getting like justin bieber to kind of do it something like that like a guy yeah. with no no acting experience just uh <laughs> yeah. something like this i would love to watch that version yeah. i won't understand yeah. it but i would love to watch yeah. it you'll understand it's not good though <laughs> like, yes. going, oh dear <laughs> Uh, the final bit of trivia is that when Mike White wrote Dewey Finn's rant about the man, he wasn't told until after the movie had finished shooting that MTV, something which Dewey says ruined rock music, yeah. and Paramount Pictures, the studio distributing <laughs> the movie, were subsidiaries of the Viacom Corporation. Yeah. After the movie was a hit, he was assured that the Paramount executives, quote, didn't mind, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mind because it made a lot of money. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, he was like, ooh. Whoops. I was in a play recently mm-hmm. with a um, for a company that is sponsored by a very big oil company. Mm-hmm. And in the play, because it's a First Nations story, they <laughs> bag out um, yes. the oil company. And we were meant to do the show as um, a, like a, an event for the oil company <laughs> because the writer mm-hmm. works for said company. Right. Um, yeah. Then all of a sudden, one day, it was cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe they read the script somebody, or something. Somebody caught wind, maybe? Yeah, maybe. It might have been too accurate. Yeah. About um, not blowing up sacred sites. Yeah. Um, and they, <laughs> they were like, oh, no, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. does get into a really interesting, <laughs> not for this podcast, but an interesting discussion on like the politics of media and things like this, where it's like... Mm. Rainbow Capital is the one that comes immediately to mind. Our like, oh, we love Pride Month and we love selling all our rainbow merchandise to all the lovely gays of the world. Oh, what's that? The eleven other months of the year, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, is I think the reason it probably wasn't a big issue is because it's not a big part of the film. Like, no. it's it's one comment in the middle of a rant where he says these things are ruining rock and roll. But music. it might be now because if you even, even if you look at the Simpsons and how much the Simpsons used to bag out Fox and Disney, yeah. So now watching it on Disney, who own Fox as well, is actually quite weird. Yeah. Um, thankfully, they haven't cut those things. But I don't think they would make anything nowadays that did that. Like, if that you had someone bad. make a film about how shit Netflix is for not paying their actors... Probably wouldn't be on Netflix. It wouldn't be on Netflix. Well, the thing with probably. The Simpsons is that it makes a lot of money. Yeah, that's, so that's, if so that, that, yeah. There was a controversy because they cut... The old episodes from uh, Pan and Scan, like four by three to 50, uh, sixty by nine ratio, and cut out some of the side gags, and the fans went. Bananas. 
bananas. Yeah. So mm. I think if they try to get rid of some of that, the because they're also getting rid of the good episodes. But they also I just and that's a choice they've had to make. Luckily, yeah. luckily the fans are there to keep that intact. But now, mm. no one's going to make anything that's going to diss Disney because yeah. you're not mm. D- Disney because yeah. um, you're not going to get. Well, you're probably not going to get any money anyway because yeah. old mate's going to get all the money. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. well, there is, um, an anti- this, there is an anti-establishment theme throughout this entire film. Like, mm. you know, he's, it's a repeated um, motif, if, if you will, that, that Jack Black is like, you know, yeah, damn the man. And like they make jokes upon that. And it's also, but yeah, mm. at the end of the day, you've got to go, it's a Hollywood film. Yeah. So as much as there's subversion and there's context and stuff like that, it's still a Hollywood movie and it's still made of Hollywood lots of money mm. and it's still a part of the machine. So, then that's why it's important to always remember to stick it to Seth no. Man. <laughs> well, <laughs> sticking it to a man. Yeah, stick it to a man. Yeah. When we that was a tripod joke. Play Sorry. when we played the show in China. Mm. Yes. Um. There. There was. Uh, changes that happened to the script and and not not massively but yeah. essentially to i mean you know like you go to china we were like near tiananmen square and you know you it's a really interesting place to be where you know you look yeah. up on the internet in the country when we are there and yep. you look up tiananmen square for example yeah and there's you know two things about it that just sort of says it's a place that exists, and that's kind of it. And it's not that's... actually a square; it's a, it's a, it's a rectangle. Right. Fun fact: that's yeah, actually two more than Chinese Google. I was imagining would actually have. Yeah. Well, you know, and so you take a show that is about anti-establishment and mm. um, being more authentic to yourself to a place which that's conformity, right? Yeah. It, you know, and certainly government uh, speaking wise is yeah about sort of yeah. uh, control, perhaps mm. we might say. Uh, yeah, so if, when we got to stick it to the man, I, I, look, I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was something like, have a lot of fun or something <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, you know? It slightly changes the message. It does. Yeah. Chinese reviewers going, I was with them until the, the fun song. <laughs> yeah. I was very confused by but, the fun song. But there was a lot of like mums and grandmas just going like, oh, how lovely. lovely. <laughs> Look yeah. at all those kids or having like, fun. You, you were given like the phonetic uh, pronunciations of a thing and just like the, the uh, reviews going, I love this song about uh, down with the American imperialism. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, we're about to do a, a tour of this show that is about American Revolution to some countries. I don't know. I, I actually mm. don't know enough about them yet, mm. but I'm sure we'll have a very different political landscape yeah. uh, than ourselves and mm. the states and England. And that's and that's part of the fun of taking of you know course. theatrical productions yes. to different places is seeing how they're received and how they're you know how people interpret um, different aspects of them. But that's a discussion. For another time, because we do need to score this film. We do need to give our scores to School of Rock. And Simon, it was your first time watching School of Rock, so you get to go first. Uh, What would you? What would? How? how, Out of ten, what would you rate this film? It's high. I, I, I. Part of me is there going. I don't know if I'm just because I enjoyed it too much. It has got some issues. It has, but it has for the most part aged incredibly well. Oh, in my heart, I, I can't give it anything lower than nine. I really enjoyed the hell out of this film. It's not the best movie I ever saw, but God, it was so damn entertaining. I think that score's high. Given some of the problems I've discussed about, mm. I can ignore a lot of that because, again, context is key. There's an intent behind this that is nice and wholesome. If there was a bit, yeah, there could be a bit more critique in it, but at the same time, that was not this movie. So I'll give it nine leather arm strap uh, <laughs> jackets yeah. without chests I don't know what the hell that was called <laughs> yeah. but all I know is that uh, any more nakedness and he would be playing a saxophone in the Lost Boys I got yeah. that joke in there <laughs> yes. excellent wonderful uh, let's go to you Tegan um, it's just joy yeah. it's pure joy um, I'm going to give it Eight and a half pig rectums. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that was rectum? so good. I was going to say turkey subs, but you said it before, and then I went, pig rectums. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. 
Excellent. Uh, what about yourself, Brent? Uh, what would you give this film out of 10? You know, I was I was a little apprehensive about watching the revisiting this. I was curious about it and wasn't mm. sure like how I would experience this again, like having done it for a, a long amount of time. But I, I just loved it. I loved this film. I love this film. It's such, mm. it reminds me like I have seen this film like, I want to say like at least 15 times mm. in my life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Uh, and so, yes, I had a challenging time with elements of it, but the story is beautiful. The construction of it, uh, Jack mm. Black's amazing. Joan Cusack's phenomenal. Mike yeah. White like wrote an, a beautiful script uh, and it's directed wonderfully by Richard Linklater. How good are those opening credits? Yes! Oh, my goodness, that. yeah. Like, yeah. incredible. Just wonderful. So, look, with all that in mind, you know, I have to give it... 10 out of 10 ice vests. <laughs> <laughs> That's how many went through a night. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I think this is a... It, it's really well put together. It's a really great example of, like, the sort of American escapism film of, even though it's not from the 20th century, of the late 20th century. I think it's a really good example of that. It, it's got a lovely spirit to it. Mm. Um, it's a lot of fun. The, the the actors are all great. They they nailed the casting with the kids one hundred percent. And as you're saying, Tegan, it's a film for the whole family. It's yeah. really fun. You can sort of watch. Anyone can sit down and watch it and have a good time. Um, as as we proved today, because all four of us had a great time. Um, so I'm going to give it uh, eight failed stage dives out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> because he hit the floor hard. Oh, that, that was... his head smacked the ground mm. maybe the film the rest of the film was just a dream of his concussion uh. oh wouldn't that be so disappointing if it cut back to that scene it and it's like, you're a joke Dewey yeah. you're a joke it's like he just cries but then how satisfying is it when he does the stage dive yeah. at the end and yes. they catch him yeah. yeah part of me was a little bit like yeah that's cheesy and thing but I'm also there going yeah fine you, yeah. you, you, you earned that. Eat yes. the cheese. Eat the, the cheese. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Tegan, Brent, Simon, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. You're tacky and I hate you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I have yeah. to do it. Rock and roll! Yeah! Sorry, I'm blowing you out. No, that's totally fine. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Uh, a reminder, of course, uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, you can stick it to the man. And by stick it, I mean, give me a dollar. <laughs> by going to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. I'm the man. Stick a dollar in my wallet, please. Um, there's bonus features and goodies. All sorts of fun things there for you to enjoy as uh, bonus extras. Uh, there is also our Facebook page uh, where you can get updates, news, vote on polls, those sorts of things. Uh, just... Yes, and nudes. Yes, tasteful nudes. Every time you say news, yeah. I hear nudes. No. Yeah, now that's nudes. that's for the OnlyFans that we haven't set up yet. That's, We're doing it. We will. Right now. Okay. Uh, as you set up that OnlyFans, um, yeah, go to our Facebook page. You can find us there. And finally, subscribe. Uh, there's a new episode each and every week. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, however you get your podcast, find us there. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Yeah! Thank you. Yeah, hit a Dewey note. Do we Another know? Another one, yeah, go. Ready? Yeah! Yeah! I forget those. Sing it to the man. Oh, there's no way you can stop the school of rock. That'll suffice as an outro, I think. Yeah. <laughs>